Hi, I'm Justin Janetsko. I'm a former educator and chaplain for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and now mostly interested in aspects of humanism. Hi, I'm Chris Bobianco. I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist community and enjoy challenging myself and growing through conversations. Welcome to the Talus Slopes podcast. If you're questioning the legitimacy of your Christian experience, you're not alone. We've been there too. That's why we're here. We're going to call out and condemn the toxic behavior and senseless narratives perpetuated by Christians, and we'll provide credible counterpoints and bring the receipts. Join us as we confront and weigh in on some of the craziest things Christians think, say, and do that often go unchecked here on the Talus Slopes podcast. What's up, Chris? Hello. You like stories? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I do. Can I tell you a story? Yes, you might as well. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) This happened back in 2014. Now, at the time, I was employed by the Seventh-day Adventist High School Academy in Atlanta, and I was the chaplain. I taught most of the Bible classes, was in charge of the campus ministry program, and I did something else. Mm, What was that? I directed the handbell choir. You directed handbells? Yeah. Do you know what handbells are? Yeah. um, They're about 11, 13 people, small group. Um, they play two to four bells each, and yep. the basic point is when their note comes up, you hit the right bell, right note, in time. Yeah, and then through the magic of teamwork, beautiful music appears, yeah. as if from nowhere. Well, from the bells, from the, of course. From the bells. Yeah, and, but that's assuming everybody's playing at the correct time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. At this academy, the handbell choir was super important. The students loved it. Their parents loved it, of course. Their parents love anything that they do. The community loved it, too. Interesting. I hated it. Yeah, I'm not super fond of handbells <laughs> myself, honestly. I really didn't want to direct the handbells. But when I was being interviewed for the chaplain position, they're actually trying to fill the handbell director position. Uh, it was it was open at the time. And so they floated it past me. And, you know, of course, because I wanted to get the job, I said... Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, they knew I did some music. I'd never done handbells before in Got my life. There. I had no experience. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had no experience with it. I don't really even like handbells. Like even as an idea, Me I could either. pass on it. Yeah, absolutely. But I kn- I knew that I could do it if I had to, and they were really interested in me doing it. So I said yes, and I got the job as the chaplain, and therefore inherited those handbells. I just don't really think I could have hated that job anymore. But the students were really into it, believe me. And it brought them so much joy. I just looked at at that as a silver yeah. lining. Aww, I, it's for the kids. Well, I mean, I, that's, I was there to do good for them anyways. So I was like, well, Cute. what's the difference, right? So I did this handbell choir directing job for two years. Two years? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but during that time, we were asked to perform a, a ton of different events in the Atlanta area. All these churches, they just loved having us come out to perform. So we get a ton of requests from these pastors in the area all the time. We'd also get requests to perform at these bigger Seventh-day Adventist conference-wide events like pastors' meetings, town halls, spiritual emphasis weekends, youth rallies, all sorts of events that my superiors in the organization needed music for. Now, one such event, this is what happened in 2014, one such event was a town hall for the Georgia Cumberland Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, which was going to be held in a church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, no, that's too far. Yeah, not Atlanta. Because mm. that's where we were, right? Yeah. I was in Atlanta. Knoxville's like four hours away from Atlanta. I would not want to do that, I'll be honest. And that's if you get lucky getting out of Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta traffic is awful. Terrible. Yeah, they say that Atlanta is one hour from Atlanta. 
That's how bad the traffic usually is. But no, thank you. You know who asked me to do this? Who? It was the conference president. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah. He pulls up. He's like, hey, Justin, no big deal. Would you mind bringing the handbell choir up to perform? Not even a whole concert, but three songs. Just three songs? Yeah. He wanted us to drive four hours up and then four hours back to do three songs for this particular town hall meeting that they were doing. But because it was the conference president, what was I- What are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? So I, I said, yeah, man, we'll be there. We'll be there. Now, this town hall was supposed to take place in the evening, so I planned with the kids prior to leaving to meet at the academy in the early afternoon, and we'd leave straight from there. Now, I'd have to drive the kids in this 14-passenger bus. That you were the, the bus driver, too. Yeah, I was the bus driver. Oh. And we'd have to pull all the, the bell equipment in a trailer. Oh, no. So, yeah, driving a bus and then pulling a trailer is... That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's not like driving a my Honda Civic around. <laughs> now, usually I would have the choir help me load the trailer because it's just a ton of work. There's so much equipment. Oh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember what exactly happened, but there were a variety of reasons they weren't able to help me. Oh, no. Yeah. I worked for a band director. I know loading trailers and buses. It's a lot. Yeah, you get it. And if anybody out there listening has had that experience, feel our pain. And you did it by yourself. Yeah. That morning, I, I went to the school where we had the bell stored and I packed up everything by my lonesome. A for effort. Thanks. <laughs> it sucked. But this meant packing all of the bells into their carrying cases. Mm. And there were like eight of these huge heavy cases. All of the tables that the bells sit on. All the cushions that the bells sit on top of the tables. The music stands. The sheet music. Everything I had to move from the storage room upstairs down a flight of stairs because, lo and behold, our building didn't even have an elevator. Are you serious? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I would have given up. I called the guy up be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, nah. I'm, I'm a trooper. Good for you. But then I had to organize it all in the trailer because, you know, when you're packing a trailer, you yeah. can't just throw everything in there. It has no, to be organized. it's like a game of Tetris. Yeah, it took forever. At least an hour to get everything loaded up. But I did it. I got all packed up before the kids showed up so that when they did, we were able to leave immediately and we headed up to Knoxville. And we got there about an hour before the program started, I think. We unpacked, we set everything up, and then we just kind of waited until our set was up. The church sanctuary began to fill up with all sorts of people. Well, it wasn't all sorts. It was mostly older white people. Okay, I was about to say, I'd be kind of impressed if you got a white variety <laughs> at a town hall. <laughs> nah, just just the, just the regular bread and butter of the Adventist uh, yes. church in that area. Now, I got to be honest, that demographic has always made me a little nervous, particularly Rightfully when it comes, so. yeah, particularly when it comes to music. And in this case, uh, because we were using a tom drum <gasps> in one of the a songs, uh, I know it's like the least amount of drum ever, but boom, 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 just a tom drum to kind of hit the rhythm. How dare you have rhythm? We did. That's what <laughs> handbells are. It's nothing but rhythm. That's what music is. Come on. But I got some grief for that drum in the past, and I knew that many of the church members wouldn't probably approve of that, and so I was just going to have to deal with it afterwards. Yeah. But we did it. So we played our three-song set. It was like, if I remember correctly, like a hymn, and then some Christmas music. Not... Not like popular Christmas music, but Christmas music that some composers had written for Christmas that maybe you wouldn't necessarily recognize. So vague Christmas music. Vague okay. Christmas music. That's what we played. And it went really well. Okay. We didn't, we didn't get any applause, but we got a, a few hearty amens. I mean, that was kind mm, of the... That's good enough for the time. Yeah, that was kind of the, the group that we had. There. Right. They, they weren't going to put their hands together, but 
They want to show some appreciation. I was good enough, I thought. At the end of the program, I did have a few individuals come up and thank me for bringing the students all the way up to Knoxville to perform. That made me feel good because that yeah. was a lot of work and effort of course, to make that happen. It was pretty chill until one gentleman came up to me. And I, I'm, I'll be honest, I've never, never heard this criticism before oh, no. or since. But this guy looks me in the eye and he says, you know... When you all were playing, I had a really hard time thinking about Jesus. And I'm, I'm like, what, what does that even mean, sir? Yeah. Uh... He says, I, I couldn't recognize the melodies of the songs. And because of that, because they weren't these super obvious spiritual songs that this guy knows, and who knows what he knew. Right. But because he didn't recognize the music as hymns or spiritual songs that he connects with his experience in Jesus, he said... I couldn't think about Jesus when you were playing your songs. That's just funny to me, considering you could play anything on the bells, <laughs> and it will sound like the most slow, melodic, uh, beautiful lullaby you've ever heard. Seriously, you you could play the most vile song on the handbells. You could play a song like Baby Got Back. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And, and Christians would be like, can't tell. Exactly. Can't, can't it, tell. It's just bells. It's handbells. But honestly, I felt like I had done something wrong. And that this man was right. Maybe we should have played more songs where the melody would have been obviously a hymn or some sort of spiritual piece. And I mean, after all, isn't the personal experience with Jesus the most important aspect of Christian life? Mm. Shouldn't that be accommodated without question? <laughs> Most I mean, people would say yes. Yeah. And apparently my choice of music didn't bring him to the throne. He was not poured into, as they say. Mm. That's Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. This Christian vernacular is wild. <laughs> I took the criticism. We packed up. We left. We drove the four hours back to Atlanta. We didn't get home till after midnight. In fact, it was more than four hours because the kids wanted to stop off at IHOP on the oh, way IHOP, back. IHOP, yay! Which was actually pretty sweet, but still, it was a super long, super long trip, super long day. Yeah, I would have been exhausted. But that comment and my guilt for not being more spiritual in my music selection, which to me really was an accusation that I myself was not spiritual enough. Right, it's he's, like a character attack. Yeah, he's looking at me as this, as this young blood thinking to himself, oh, these kids, they, they don't, they're not each spiritual each enough. Days. Yeah, exactly. They're playing their wild handbell music. It just really ruined the experience for me. I was kind of grumpy the rest of the trip. Mm, fair. I have a very melancholy temperament, and so things tend to stick with me for a while. I fixate on them and think over them over and over and over again. But I finally came to my senses and started thinking to myself, wait a minute, what that man did was actually just rude. Right. But you do kind of get trained in that Christian culture to think that other people's religious experience is more important than yourself. So I right. feel like I would feel guilty as well. Yeah. Like it wouldn't and, be common to be like, oh, that was rude. Yeah. And that's how I felt in the time and for a yeah. time. But like I said, after a while, it just it just dawned on me that th that was really incredibly rude. Right. And, you know, look, dude, if you're having a hard time thinking about Jesus, that sounds like a personal issue. Don't blame exactly. me or a bunch of kids for that. We're just right. There They're to, doing their best. Exactly. We're just there to, to like... Play some nice music for you. Three Relax. songs. Relax, bruh. But of course, these days, I see things much differently. And right now, I really want to articulate my problem with this particular encounter by pointing out three main issues that I've seen time and time again within my Christian experience. And it, and it kind of boils down to this. 
three most problematic issues in Christianity. Bad ideas, bad behavior, and bad culture. Let me break these down one by one. First one is bad ideas. And, and, and this is really about a theology that leads to thoughtlessness. Now, again, I thought about the story for a while. Back then, I thought it was rude. But now I'm looking at it, and it, it goes way beyond just being rude. Mm, yeah. He's got an idea in his head. And I don't know, maybe you could call it a theology or something like that. But it's really about how one must interact and engage with God. And he believes that is what is most important in life. It's really not an uncommon position for Christians to hold, but he's got some layers to it, even down to music. I mean, who knows where this idea has come from? Uh, the Bible, the pastor, a spiritual leader, his own conclusion, well, wherever it came from, this idea places humans at least second to his interpretation of who God is. And I think that Christians, and not all, but it feels like most of them, think that this is correct. And they're free to believe that. It's just that belief results in consequences that people like you and I just can't accept. Right. The fact that he was upset was way more important than all the work and effort you guys put into being there. Yeah. He's not operating in reality. Exactly. That's ridiculous. Of the sacrifice and the effort that I had made. It was just completely ignored. So, I mean, we did all of this for this guy to look me in the eyes and say, you know, eh, I don't really like it. Well, I feel like for the most part, he was just saying I'm more important. Like my experience is more important than you being here and you putting in your time and energy and care into this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, that's that's how I see it now. Yeah, very selfish. But I see this a lot. Mm. Too many Christians are just simply not thinking about others in their faith and religious experience. And True. for me, and I'm just going to put this very bluntly, it's anti-human behavior. And it yes. exists outside of a reality. And then the reality, again, in this case, being the stress of our entire trip for that day. And it perpetuates some kind of weird fanatical living, which I think is also anti-human because you're not dealing with the facts. You're not dealing with reality. They're kind of in their own world. Yeah, yeah. Christians say and they do things that just make no sense in reality, only in some pretend world where lack of rationale is justified. All right. Issue number two is bad behavior. Now, look, bad ideas aren't great, but if you give them to yourself and you never really allow them to manifest as behaviors, things are usually cool. That's Generally not how it works, though. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Ideas. <laughs> yeah. They usually spur on some sort of action, whether that's in a small way or a big way or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just going to go ahead and say that because I'm sure that somebody allows their bad ideas not to manifest as behaviors. Okay. Fair enough. That's usually not the case, though. Right. That's the but point here... I want to make. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> not the case here. Like, unfortunately, a lot of times in Christianity, you're given permission to treat people less than human if you can find a reason for it in the Bible. And with biblical literacy in the tank and very few church leaders doing anything about that, awful interpretations, awful understandings are abundant within your average Christian experience. It's so easy, too, for Christianity to be wielded for self-service, though, obviously, I think you and I think that should be the opposite. Right. It, it's it's funny that the whole concept of Christianity is supposed to be based on others, right. but in reality, it's all based on yourself. Yeah, and the biggest issue I see here is that type of theology and behavior, it's legitimized by others when it's not called out. Very true, because no one's shutting it down. Yeah, who knows how that guy got to that point where he thought that was an okay thing right? to say. Like, oh, there's someone who took the time out of their day yeah. to come here and help me experience something in a more fun way, a yeah. town hall. Yeah. I. It's more important that I'm upset. Yeah, no, but I promise you that's not the first time something like that has happened. Oh, no, I'm sure. And... 
he's allowed to get away with this because nobody says or does anything about it. And that's super frustrating. Honestly, I've seen this sort of behavior encouraged to grow more than I've ever seen it squelched. And this really results in the third issue that I have. And kind of the third issue is it can stand by itself, but it also is often the sum of the first two issues, the bad ideas and the bad behavior. It's bad culture. This man, he lost the value of humans. (laughs) And he prioritized himself and his selfish ideas over others. I mean, he's thinking to himself, you know, who are these people? Who, who, who cares? Who, who's who's this who's this young man saying before me directing this hand? Who cares? I'm trying to get something for myself out of it. And I didn't get that. And by the way, that seems kind of harsh for me to say. Like I'm listening to myself say that, and I'm not even bothered by it. No, because that's the reality. It, like it even really if they is. aren't thinking in that exact line of thought, that is the true thought behind. Right. What happened? Yeah, dehumanizing others is such an important part of prioritizing yourself, which, by the way, is critical for the survival of many religions. I agree. Yeah. It's very important. So for many people who have run-ins like this, and worse, I'm not even saying this was necessarily the, the worst run-in ever. It was pretty superficial for the most part. Right. But when you have experiences like this with Christians, and maybe even our listeners are nodding their heads thinking, yeah, I've definitely experienced worse. You just haven't been able to stomach these bad ideas, these bad behaviors in this awful culture. And because of these ideas, behaviors, and culture, there exists this, it's kind of like a weathering that takes place. And and as everything builds up, there's only so much the person can take. So people may begin asking themselves questions like, is what my church telling me or modeling for me legitimate? How can I know? Is there a better way? What would be next for me if I left my church and my beliefs? What would happen? And to me, this is a super valid and very normal space to be in. And it's more common than we talk about. Yeah. And, and really, it's the reason why this podcast exists. So why the Tal Slopes podcast? I mean, think about it. There are already a ton of podcasts out there. Why do we need another one? Why not is the better question. I like that. <laughs> Look, here's, here's the deal. The assumption of many people is that the Christian church is filled with loving and compassionate people who believe very sensical and practical things and are doing good in the world for the sake of humanity. And that's That's not true. true. Like, not at all. I wish it was. Yeah, if this was the case, we'd just leave well enough alone. Right, exactly. And obviously, Christianity is not a monolith. If you're listening and thinking to yourself, well, that's not me, I'm not like that, then fine, we're not talking about you. And also, are you sure? Because the group you run around with tends to get cited on this stuff a lot. Let's be real. Like I said before, bad Christian ideas, bad Christian behaviors, bad Christian culture, it's just running wild. It's wreaking havoc in the world around us. And it's the three categories, those ideas, the behaviors, and the the culture that we're going to be pulling topics from to discuss on this podcast. So if you're anything like us, you yourself have experienced this sort of craziness and toxicity from Christians that's been wearing you down in some way or the other. And this is a really difficult space to be in because you desire to follow your faith within the traditional construct provided to you. But when you find that that traditional construct is often lacking, it's toxic, it's nonsensical, whatever it is, what do you do? So we think a strong voice is necessary to do, to do several things. First of all, to check the culture and to hold Christians accountable for their nonsense. And when 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 the Christian culture is toxic, right. when it is nonsensical, 
we got to say something. Exactly. You if, can't if it's go not, unchecked. if it's not fine, you know, just leave it alone. Yes, exactly. No harm, no foul. But when it is, we got to call it out. And then secondly, we need to provide credible counterpoints that lead to values of love and reason. And I think really another thing, another good reason for this podcast is there are so many places that this type of religious experience is talked about or discussed, Mm -hmm. and they don't actually talk about why the culture is problematic. They're angry or defensive. People say what's happening, why they're upset. They debate within the Bible, but there seems to be very little said about what this culture looks like outside of the Christian perspective. Yeah. And that gets super wonky for lack of a better term, because it's like, oh no, we've got all these issues. The Bible must have answers. Hey, what if it doesn't? It's like trying to solve a problem with the problem. Nailed it. Yeah. Like, oh, my basement's flooded. So I'm going to turn on the tap and see (laughs) if that helps. I was just like, they they have to reconcile their issues within the context and the worldview of Christianity, assuming that the Christian perspective, and that could be anything. Right. Whatever it may be in that particular given situation or context, they assume that it is the best way to approach life. And we're here saying maybe it's not (laughs) maybe it's not maybe there's a better way but how would you even know if you weren't willing to interpret the world through a different lens right and and i think that that's you know why we're here like look this is not an attack on christianity itself i have no problem with christianity as an idea no as an idea it's beautiful yeah but this is a critique of ideas behaviors and cultures that we constantly observe within the christian church that hurt people that that are making the lives of of people worse. That anti-human behavior. Exactly. So look, if you are out there listening to this right now and you yourself, you're questioning the legitimacy of your Christian experience and you're open to hearing criticism paired with credible solutions, then this show is for you. Now let's get to hmm, the nitty gritty. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Indeed. The meat, the crux, however you want to say, why is this show called the Talus Slopes podcast. Because Justin said he wanted it to be. Well, I did serve up the idea. You know where that idea came from? <laughs> no, I actually don't. Yeah, you do. That's a lie, I do. You do. But, <laughs> but, for, the sake of, but for the sake of the audience, <laughs> I want to tell you, because Chris, you now know what a Talus Slope is, right? You better. <laughs> I know what a Talus Slope is yeah, now. Yeah, I yeah. did not when you presented the idea. So we live in Dayton, Ohio. And not too far from Dayton is this little town called Yellow Springs. And it's kind of like this hippie town, for lack of a better way of describing it. <laughs> Let me just say, I smell a lot of skunk there. Uh, okay. What's really cool about Yellow Springs is that there are a ton of just really nice and interesting nature trails that are there. And one of them is called Clifton Gorge. And the Little Miami River kind of snakes through this gorge, and, and you can actually take some stairs down into the gorge and walk along the river. And, of course, because it's in a gorge on either side, you have cliffs. Right. And so I'm there one day, and I'm walking, and there's a sign next to one of the cliffs, and it's a little information sign. So, you know, I go and read it because I like to ed- educate myself. Ah, I like to educate. Edu- because, you know, I like to educate myself. <laughs> I do. Why are you laughing? How dare you? I'm laughing at the edumacate. <sighs> I love that. Because, you know, I like to educate myself. There you Big go. Big brain. Big brain moment. And as I approach it, I'm reading in, in bold case letters that says Talus Slopes. And I don't know what that is. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get learned up today. And I read it. 
And basically what a talus slope is, it's all of the rock that falls off of the cliff eventually because of some like violent event or weathering or whatever. However it falls off, the gravity pulls it down to the bottom of the cliff right at the foot. And as more rock falls, it collects and it becomes known as a talus slope, which is not super interesting in and of itself. But I kept on reading the sign and said, this talus slope actually becomes a brand new ecosystem for that area. And there are, yeah, there are certain types of plants and particularly it was mentioned that there were like these really nice spring wildflowers, which by the way, we can can all enjoy that exist only because of the talus slope. That's really cool. Only because this rock has fallen off and created this brand new environment. I thought to myself, there's got to be a metaphor in there somewhere. When I think about this metaphor and what it could be, I think about mountains. And a lot of people, especially people who love nature, love mountains because they're so romanticized. They're so beautiful. The view, everything about them. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot like faith. Faith is supposed to be this beautiful mountain that we're supposed to strive to be. But it doesn't always work like that. I mean, have you ever tried to climb a mountain before? Yes, I have. And it's kind of of exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's like when you see a beautiful sunrise in this picture and you go to that place to see that sunrise and it's just not the same. You lose that beauty and that sense of hmm. awe. And that's kind of like faith. It, you know, we have all this life questions and reality. And when they start hitting these faith seekers over and over again, a lot of them fall off the mountain, this faith, to form these talus slopes. However it happens... There comes a point where you have to make a choice if you're going to try to stay a part of this mountain or if you're going to let yourself fall yeah, and find something better that ultimately upholds your values in a better way. Or at all. Or at all. (laughs) In some cases. But there is this beauty in a life that doesn't meet the expectations of your religion when you place value in the human experience, Hmm, just like how the wildflowers grow in the talus slopes. It might be a different type of beauty than was originally desired, but it's still beautiful. Yeah, and, and we th- when we think about why the rocks fall, I mentioned this earlier. Well, it's usually because of some kind of singular violent event or right. it happens gradually over time with erosion of some sort. And I think that that's very true in our lives as human beings as well. I mean, it's like particularly with, the erosion that's those are like the little things maybe we could call them the microaggressions that mm-hmm. occur in our lives and i know within christianity and, and probably our listeners are, are have experienced some of these microaggressions before but you know christians will get on you for all sorts of things oh you know, yes like very true what, what you're wearing what, what kind of music you're listening to or or performing in my case <laughs> maybe what you eat uh jewelry that's a jewelry, that's a yeah. big one that uh I've experienced, honestly. Me too. What was your experience? Uh, I got my ears pierced. Um, I was... No! I know. And in my mind, I was so excited. Like, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then I get to church wearing my earrings. And I'm basically... Right? I thought it'd be exciting. And people started looking at me with utter horror. Like, I was suddenly (laughs) trying to be the worst Christian ever. And I was like, what? Like, I had no idea that would result from that. So why'd you do it? Because I liked them. I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. I like accessorizing, you know, give a little variety. Yeah. 
I feel the exact same way. When I do any of the things in my life that people get on to me about, it's just like, I just want to feel comfortable in my own experience. Yes, that's ultimately it. Yeah, it's like not about anything else. It's not about bringing attention to myself or, you know, flaunting my quote unquote wealth, which doesn't exist. Right. And it's not about making someone else's experience better or worse. It's about being comfortable. Yeah. But people project, of course. Obviously. Um, But I think being at peace with ourselves and expressing ourselves in different ways, that's really what makes humanity beautiful and wonderful. That's like the best thing about humanity is that we get the the freedom to do that. Uh, Your issue with that is your problem. Exactly. So if you're sitting there listening to this right now and you're nodding along, yep, yep, yep. Then obviously you're not alone. We're right there with you. So it'd probably be a good idea if you knew something about us. Might be smart. Maybe. Put some names perhaps, to the voices. Some would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm Chris and I use they them pronouns. I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the SDA community. I went to a K through 12 school and colleges that were also part of this community. And for a long time, I was known as the good Christian kid who knew all the answers. Wait, you knew all the answers? Well, no, I really just, not Uh, at all. I just knew what people expected. I knew what they wanted to hear. That's not a profit. No, not at all. It's just being a smart kid, I guess. Good for you. (laughs) Well, uh, I hated watching people I cared about leave the church because of what they were experiencing in that environment. I felt a disconnect between what I understood faith was supposed to be and the reality of what was actually happening at church. Mm-hmm. And then I had this whole discovery where I realized that I'm gay. And it wasn't that realization itself that broke me. It was how Christians and Christianity's fear of the controversial and the unknown led them to look at me as being a problem, not a person. Being gay was the only thing that people cared about anymore. And there's so much more to me. I didn't make being gay my personality. The church did. Hmm. And even after that, when I tried to bridge the gap, as I would say to many people between the queer community and the church, that dream was dashed again and again and again, no matter how much I tried to make it more specific and limited to smaller amounts of people. And finally, I just got tired of excusing the behaviors and trying to be the difference because the reality was that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, I'm Justin and I use he, him pronouns. And like you, Chris, I spent my entire life in the Seventh-day Adventist church going to school, kindergarten through 12th grade and graduating, spending five years at a, at a Adventist university and then immediately leaving university and working for the Seventh-day Adventist church for almost the next two decades. And uh, that's kind of come to an end at this point. I'm no longer a a uh, professional. A professional SDA person? <laughs> no longer a professional with <laughs> I'm within, a professional Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> I'm not a professional Seventh-day Adventist. Nor am I a professional within the Seventh-day Adventist church. I I just ended up leaving. There, there were way too many things going on that when I looked at them, I, I thought to myself... This is just punching down behavior on the less powerful and on the marginalized. It's overwhelmingly anti-human in my experience. And I don't want to be a part of that any longer. Right. And we'll get into all sorts of of (laughs) details in regards to what that means in the future. But I feel very good where I'm at right now. I'm in a space where I can can give 
my criticism of Christianity and just not have to defend it because I'm not a part of it any longer. Right. Uh, at least in that sense, uh, again, at least professionally, particularly. So I'm just saying no more excuses. All right. So we've already told you all what you're going to get from this podcast. Right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to call out and break down specific toxic Christian ideas, behaviors, and culture that we see hurting people and making a whole mess like Kevin did in Home Alone. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. Kevin. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> And, and when we're going to show you, with evidence, by the way, we're going to bring the receipts, Chris. Yes, very important. Yeah, why these ideas and behaviors and cultures are just plain wrong. And so we want to invite you all as the audience, as the listener, to invest in us and what we're doing with Tal Slopes. And how do you do that? Duh. Drum roll, please. Duh. Duh. You just you listen. Yeah. Just, just listen for free. You can you can do it for free. It doesn't cost you anything. I guess you got to like, buy the device. I mean... You can't just listen to free. You can't like step outside and be like, I'm going to listen to Tell Slopes, put my ear to the ground. Yeah, but if they not if they don't have a device to listen to it, they're not going to hear this. Yo, I'm shook. <laughs> well, please, at least right now, listen. You can leave a review. That'd be sweet. We'd like that, right? That'd that be helps, nice. That helps get, get the popularity up. You can recommend us to others if you think we could be of help. We're going to have other ways that you can actually support Talus Slopes. But we'll let you know more about that later as things progress. All right, that's it for us today. Chris, you got anything else you want to say to the people before we get out of here? I like bananas. I think the mangoes are sweet. I like papayas. Mm, but nothing can beat the Talos Slopes podcast. Join us again for our next episode where we're going to call out and weigh in on more awful Christian toxicity. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.